welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour Podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. Until Colin Coward takes over. Just had to bring it back for a second, Jake, because I had you on, and last time we were on, we talked about Colin Coward meeting us and just absolutely going out at OU. Maybe next time I see him, he'll go out <laughs> to Texas. You think he'll, you think he'll make funny University of Texas uh, next time I see him here? I would hope so. I mean, I... Texas is much easier to make fun of than OU, in my opinion. I I kind of disagree, but that's just because at this point, like Texas has basically they they have like a couple of years here and there that they're good, but it's been like more than a decade. Like Oklahoma State, just be clear, we own Texas for the past decade. That's not a conversation. I mean, there's even maybe 15 years now where you look back and Oklahoma State is just by far and away. Oh, yeah, they've won more times. Just, and it's not close, really. Do you know when, when we were both so, at OSU, and I just heard this stat that I just want to shout out real quick from uh, Dave Hunziker. Listen to Cowboy Radio pregame. Um, Dave said, which is which I could, I it's hard for me to believe here, because when Ramon Richards intercepts the football and we beat Texas 13-10 yeah. in 2017, that was the first... That that made Oklahoma State, or we, the only team to beat Texas five times in a row at the University of Texas ever. Like that's it's a pretty darn historic thing to be able to say, and yeah, it's been some years since then. And we've still beat, we've we've, 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 we've <laughs> and now I I think that streak stopped. Of course, I know that streak stopped actually because uh, because we won this year. Of course, just this past weekend and then we won the year before, but then we had lost 2020 and uh, 2019. We lost most of those years, but we won 2018 homecoming. So yeah, still pretty good. Yeah. And I think I heard them say the stat that we, we've won. I think it's now 12 consecutive homecomings. Is that right? Mm. I, think I think they so. said on the broadcast, it was 11. I think so. I mean, if we schedule you for homecoming, now, generally, it's like like last year we played Kansas for homecoming. Generally, the teams we played for homecoming are the third Saturday in October or second Saturday in October, but they're almost always in the month of October. And usually it's good. Usually it's really good for us, but also usually we schedule the homecoming game against like a team we should just dominate and beat, you know? Um, well, which is nice. But it's not like we're scheduling it against like Cornell or something like the SEC does. That's true. Yeah, like we, we don't actually have the schedule SEC fake bye week just built into our schedule during conference play. That's yeah, true. like I and we, you know, go go listen to some of the other ones where we talked about how many conference games some conferences play and the big plays more than anybody else having less teams, um, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, like our homecoming is always an in-conference game always. And I'm not, I don't know if, you know, I know some other teams, uh, I'm sure are similar. Like I'm, I'm sure the PAC 12 is similar, but I know there's a, there's a good amount of SEC teams that are not playing anybody even in the same planet as they are. So yeah, for I've, I've always I've always liked I've always liked that so much more that we're actually playing a competitive game. Yeah, yeah. For anyone who's curious, like when we play Big with well, the Big Twelve basketball, and I might be the same with the SEC here, but Big Twelve basketball, I love conference play because then it's oh, it's real, right? Like oh, okay, now we have the SEC mm-hmm. challenge kind of in the B, like in conference play. It's towards the beginning of it, but conference play just goes on for a while, so I don't know how you categorize that too well. But I do love the fact that Oklahoma State and the Big Twelve, when it's conference play, it's 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 time, especially in football. Yeah. With all that being said, here, the game against Texas past weekend. Don't know how many people heard my my pre uh, preview there with Patrick McDermott, kind of recapping the uh, the TCU game a little bit with him. But Patrick went to the University of Texas. He's a big Longhorns fan. He did the conference preview with us and with Will Polk. Yep. And during that conference preview, Patrick says, I think I think Texas should go eleven and one. Maybe, you know, and then he kind of backtracked when the rest of us were like, Well, that's kind of crazy. But he he said eleven and one. He said their only loss will be to Oklahoma State because we have their number. And 
that means that he was saying that they'd beat Alabama and, you know, in Texas Tech and whoever, whatever, all that type of stuff. But he knew coming in, it was going to be a tough challenge. Like, he knew before the season started, oh, Oklahoma State's going to be tough for us to play no matter what. He had less confidence in his own team beating Oklahoma State than he did Alabama. Grant, one's at home, one's away, but I don't think that makes much of a difference. One's top four, top two in the country. I think Alabama might be three or four right now, maybe six. But they were definitely, like, number one or two in the country when the season started. And he said then, yeah, yeah, you know what? I think Alabama might lose to us as Texas, who did not make a bowl game last year. I think that's, I mean, that's a fact, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not lost to Kansas. And he had more confidence in his team beating Alabama versus beating Oklahoma State. When you yeah. when when we both you know watched the game this past weekend, I get it now as a Texas fan. Like we we did not win one aspect of this game as far as like um a showmanship type of deal. Like we didn't have it did not look like at any point in the game that we had uh one better position group necessarily, besides maybe quarterback in there, especially at the end. But yeah. It didn't like when the game started, it was oh, Quinn Yours is just gonna just throw everything open their coordinators are just killing us their offensive play calling the way the guys are getting open this is gonna be a long day to be an Oklahoma State fan like oh no Texas Quinn Ewers this this could be their deal they've lost two games but Quinn Ewers maybe back in the Heisman deal maybe he's talked about at least a little bit more now a guy with two losses as a team winning Heisman even though he's only contributed to one of those losses even then that was the first quarter against Alabama getting ahead of myself here but still, the, the the Texas game started out not the way we wanted to go. I trying to find the splits here: first half, second half, versus on uh, yardage. But I know they outran us in the first half, like 170 yards or something. It was crazy. Yeah, like 240. It, it was a lot rushing in the game, <laughs> and we had 142. And I want to say like 100 of our 142 came in the second half, and I want to say 150 of their rush yards came in the first half. It basically was a tale of two abs. We stuck it out. We ended up playing a lot better football when it counted and won. I mean, this this is one of those where I give hats off to Gundy. Like I, I know you and I both are like on the one you know, one side or the other side on you know where we stand as far as Gundy talk is. This is one of those where hats off to him and a disciplined program and whatever you want to say because the penalties added up for Texas, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But really mm-hmm. We ran 98 plays. Texas ran 81. We were 8 of 19 on third downs, and they were 3 of 17. They were 0 and 2 in fourth down. We'd never ran a four. We never tried a fourth down. We didn't have to, and we won by seven. Like it. This is a it's a great like gutsy is probably not the right word just because like I don't think we put a lot out there on the line. We just physically just beat him up. You know. I. Yeah, and it was one of those games to me where they probably won at halftime and they're like, wait, why are we down by two touchdowns to this football team? Mm-hmm. And, and they were just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> we're going to get this figured out. Like, that's kind of what it seemed. And I saw, um, I don't remember who it was. It might have been, it might have been Marshall. Um, Marshall said that, um, at halftime, instead of Gundy doing his post-game speech, he elected to have everyone meet with their um, position coaches for longer for a longer period of time, which evidently worked. And as someone who played football, you know, maybe not maybe not necessarily played, but you know, I. So I remember like there, some people do like arrive at like a rousing speech and, you know, they're like, Oh, this is really great. Get all hyped up, all that fun stuff. This definitely, like you said, seemed like one of the games where we were just going to outclass them because we were better. And that's it. And it, like we said, I think we probably lost TCU. I actually didn't get to say this, but it was my wedding. So Take that, nerds. Um, I think we probably lost TCU because of coaching. I think we probably just got outcoached. I've also said that's probably a game where if it's in Stillwater, we win. Right? And I think we were both 
pretty, pretty much an agreement to them, even in our belabored state, um, which is fine. But that, that just seemed like a game where they were like, especially the defense, the defensive line was just like, no, no, they're not better than us. And they're not, they're not going to be better than us. And, you know, I don't remember. It's not Hammerschmidt. It, he does safeties. I don't remember whoever it was who are defensive line coaches and Derek Mason were probably like, you'll need to get this figured out. And, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. There's not a, not a doubt in my mind that this Oklahoma state team is better than the university of Texas team as a whole, which is a rare thing to say. Also, it's one of those where as a team, we performed incredibly well. Individual players definitely had a couple drops, miscues, Guys are playing man coverage. They lost B. John Robinson. Like, how do you lose him? How do you lose Xavier Worthy? How do you, right? Like, how do you lose <laughs> yeah. these guys playing man coverage? But then again, it all got corrected in the second half. This was, and, mm-hmm. you know, great, great. Like, both of us are doing like podcast playing before the shows usually. This is one thing that you said that was really good of the second half was truly like, oh, this looks like a Jim Knowles type of defense where the first half we're bending, but we're just not going to break in the second half. And this yeah. was truly, that was it. They scored three points in the second half. I mean, how many teams in the Big 12 are going, yeah, you might put up 34, but three in the second half is all you're going to get. And yeah, in, in the turnover battle, we lost a fumble. We had an interception. You know, I mean... A fum, fum, fumble, quote-unquote, fumble, yeah, alleged. But they had three interceptions. Like, their their quarterback, the Quinn Ewers, the one-of-one one quarterback, the five-star who left the state of Texas early from high school so he could go get NIL money before the the state of Texas would let you get NIL money, which I don't know how that all makes sense. But nonetheless, here my point is, is that this guy was so highly coveted and he knew he could make so much NIL money because he's so highly coveted. He went to a different school first before coming, I say, back to Texas because it's where he originally was committed to. This guy. This guy who, yeah, Heisman Trophy contender probably next season, especially if he finishes out this season like kind of nicely or so, he'll probably be one of those dark horse Heisman candidates at some point. I, sp- I would think next year for sure. And he'll always be in Heisman quarterback talk because of how highly touted he was as a recruit. This guy, we gave issues to. This guy, Quinn Ewers, I've never seen a quarterback with happier feet in my life than I saw Quinn Ewers yesterday. And maybe I'm being too hyperbolic here because it's a bunch of reactionary stuff, but I don't necessarily know if that's true because I cannot remember the last time that a guy was just overthrowing guys left and right. And there were a couple passes that hit... Texas receivers' hands they dropped, too. I mean, this is not all on him, but passes were just getting sailed over guys' heads. The The very last yeah. play they have of the game where we intercepted, that hits the receivers in the hands. It's a, it's a contested ball. <laughs> it's hard to catch, but it's the receiver in the hands. You know what I mean? Like, it's, right it's one of those, like, yeah. okay, like, if you're a four- or five-star guy, you would expect to pull that in no matter what. And in Oklahoma State, when we don't pull those in, it's like, oh, gosh, you got to be kidding me. So I think it's fair to give Texas some crap for not pulling that ball in at the end there because they're only down seven and that yeah. would have been a big play. And All so let say, me ask you this. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't necessarily think our defense is better than Alabama's, right? I'm not, I'm not going to say that. No. Um, but and th- this is just kind of like a, you know, anecdotal question. Quinn Ewers is probably still hurt, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got to be a little bit banged up for sure. Because you don't come out looking like he did against Alabama in the first game of the season and then look like he did against us. And, you know, because people were saying, oh, well, it's windy. Well, Spencer Sanders had to play in the wind, too. I, that's <laughs> The wind wasn't making him sail balls. I you know, because those balls were like sailing. They weren't even like there were a couple that got blown away. Like he was gun shy, clearly, like you said, he was gun shy. And I mean, who wouldn't be if you already sustained what 
seemed like a sternum or shoulder injury against Alabama. And then you have to come play this defensive line where everyone on it is like 24 years old and six years older than you. And the first hit you're like, yeah, I'm not ready for this. That would make me have 30 incompletions, not the wind. Well, also the 30 incompletions is something where like I, as we talked about several times, I think I know football, right? But when I use football terminology, like happy feet, I try not to use that all the time because I'm not as well versed, but I think that's the perfect thing for this guy because our guys just kept getting to his feet. Like their offensive line is good. They have guys who Gundy in the Monday presser that came out today, you know, he did had today stuff said he thinks their offensive tackles and linemen will get drafted. I think they will too. Supposedly every yeah. Texas university or university of Texas, whatever, um, offensive line guy is getting like a $50,000 a year, you know, part of their NIL deal. So they're all getting like a very public amount of money. That's very well versed. That's what more than a bunch of people make. And that's more than the average income stable. <laughs> so point being, these guys are really good, right? Like they are yeah. really, you are one of the best of the best. If you're getting one of those NIL deals and our defensive line, we're still getting to them, but they weren't getting to them. Like we weren't just wrapping them up. We didn't get called for one penalty, so there was no rough in the passer penalty on us, right? We'll get into that maybe in a mm-hmm. second here. But we were really getting at his feet. It really was one of those things yeah. where we were making him move his feet because we were going to almost get to his feet every single time. And that's why I'm using that happy feet type of description because it was almost as was he wasn't super worried about us just blowing him up because we really didn't no. do that. Like, we really didn't. We've seen so many no, passer was... penalties that, like, are just bogus. And we didn't get called for one because there wasn't any bogus one to call us for because we didn't get to them. We just got to his feet. Yeah, we, was, we couldn't let him play on his feet and actually put some, you know, put some spin on it. It was a lot of like, oh, Trace Ford's here like now. Like mm. that, it wasn't, he was just getting nervous because like Colin Oliver and Trace Ford, it's like, okay, you actually have like two seconds, three seconds to get rid of the ball. Yeah. And he probably actually had more time than that. Because like you said, like, I don't, did we have a sack? I'm looking it up right now. That was the next thing I had a question about because I don't, I don't know if we had a sack. If we did, it wasn't a lot. No, uh, it's not something that was a big impactful, like, Oh my gosh, Trace Ford ended with three sacks this game or, you know, or two or whatever. Right. But he was clearly gun shy. He was clearly scared. I don't want to say scared, but he he was aware that he was going to get hit, or at least that somebody was coming to hit him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and luckily a lot of our guys are old, so they're they're a little bit more knowledgeable about, you know, not taking late hits on the quarterback and all that kind of stuff, which is obviously really great, but I mean, Trace Ford was just bull rushing. I mean, he was shoving over people. And I'm going to say this before, you know, before we get into it, and there are a lot of other people talking about this too. There could have been a lot more holding penalties than what they called. Oh. A lot more. Well, the, the other and, thing. You know, I'm, you can say yeah. that about a lot, but. Quinn Ewers got protected a little bit by a little bit more than his offensive line. <laughs> yeah. It, and I want to say this. There's there's every, there's no doubt in my mind, you could have called Oklahoma State for five more penalties than we were called for. We were called for two. One was an offset penalty and the other one was declined. So clearly yeah. the refs still know how to throw a flag when we're playing football. Uh, it's not like we were completely not called for anything. Texas being called for 14 is, is high. Don't get me wrong, but like we've been called for two penalties before in a game. This isn't the first time Oklahoma State's been called for two penalties. It's the first time we've had zero penalties accounted for at the end of the game. I think I'm using the right verbiage there for that makes for that to make sense. Because yeah, every headline, the Barstool tweet, Oklahoma State gifted a win with you know zero penalties called all that crap. And gifted probably the wrong word because I forgot what the Barstool headline said. But either way, we we outplayed them. Like, this doesn't happen a lot. And this is the first time that I've, like, really tried to do a lot of pregame 
post-game um, analysis and stuff, especially about um, football, especially about Oklahoma State football. Because I have done it for, like, Thunder stuff in the past. I, I've really gotten into that in the past with, like, BedlamBrother.com, yeah. whatever. But this is the first time where I remember just key things from hearing on the radio or looking up stuff. Another key thing here is is that in the past, Trace Ford would go out, right? He'd be injured. And he'd, you know, be like, oh, crap, man. Like, the next guy up's probably like a, you know, you're thinking like Madden ratings. Like, the next guy up's probably like a, you know, a, a 60 overall when he needs another year or two under his belt to be able to be in 90 overall where Trace Ford is, right? I'm just making up numbers here. But, yeah, I think you're going to mean, right? Like, the backup is just yeah. nowhere clear as good. This team, Hunziker said on the radio, Holcomb agreed, Adam Hildebrand also backed it up, where this was a main difference of, wait a second, it now looks like we've hit a, um, we've hit a spot in this program where we're good enough on backups to be good enough where when the backups come in, it's not a huge drop-off. Like, it's a drop-off, but it's yeah. a huge one. You know what I mean? And that's just... Mm -hmm. Uh, that that's that's an achievement within itself. That is such a good good achievement to have as a team, and, and that's a milestone. I didn't know when I'd see that happen, but the the press conference Gundy had after the game, the press conference Gundy has on the Monday mornings here, and the one he did today was just yeah that oh well, that's because of injuries. Yep, yeah, well that's because of injuries. It was, how do you feel about all the freshmen getting playing time at wide receiver? How do you feel about all the wide receivers getting playing time that are rookies and the running backs and Jaden Nixon and Ollie Gordon, et cetera? You know, Raylan Wesley, yeah. right? It was, oh, well, it's because they have to because we're injured. And hearing that repeatedly is like, oh, wait a second. Maybe that's because actually, yeah, we have a lot of injuries, but it doesn't matter. And when it doesn't matter against a team like Texas, that – Say what we will about Texas. Say what we will about their record year in, year out. I mean, they're one win away from making a bowl game. You know, they're they're five and three. We're you know, we're six and one. And but that says a lot because they're recruiting every single year is incredible. Right? Like they're yeah. recruiting, they're always top. They're always top in the recruiting. And it's not like it's a dramatic drop off to Oklahoma State, but it's a it's enough of a drop off where we're we're not getting those same like Texas with another top ten recruiting class. Like we're not getting that. We don't have a, a five star Gundy doesn't have a five star recruit ever, I don't think. Right? Can keep mm -hmm. as long as I can keep saying that believe. it's one of those things that you don't want to hang your hat on, but when you pull out wins against teams that do have five stars, it feels nice to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean they're just they're Texas, and there there was a lot of stuff like penalties come down to coaching because um, I went through Adam Lund's thread this morning, which was very good. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, and like I said, I think we talked about this yesterday, where I said there were, I think there was one bad pass appearance call, and then there was also the the faux fumble. Um, FAUX, the faux fumble that um, Texas also got the ball in. So those were the two um, things that were missed by the refs, which, you know, whatever. Neither of those opportunities led to points. So it didn't. So, so it didn't. It essentially didn't matter. But. You know, when you're trying to drive, and what did they have two false starts in a row? Yeah, they it was had, a hold, and they had a they had a false start and a hold on their last drive because your right tackle literally drags Trace Ford to the ground. That that's a problem, and you know, there, there was something on that the other day too, or uh, a couple plays prior where. Trace Ford literally got like choke slammed to the ground. It was when they fumbled one of their snaps. And it's just, they're, they're I don't, 
I don't mind Sark, but they're, they're clearly not a very well-coached team. And I said that to you the other day, and I will continue to say it because, I mean, there were also multiple times where I think it was twice. I don't want to, you know, oust anybody, but it was twice where I saw um, that players were screaming at their position coaches on the sidelines. They had to get held back. If if you're complaining about the penalties and not about that, I mean, Robbie Anderson just got traded. <laughs> <laughs> they pay him, actually pay him. Then they still are. He's not paid by yeah. – in yeah. But they traded him to go away, and that's a NFL person, like – the person that was yelling at their coach at Texas might not be a football player forever, or that might not be his career. Football is Robbie Anderson's career. So, and he's an adult that that's just something you don't do, you know? And that to me is very indicative of like, Hey, why'd you have five false starts? Oh, because you also have players yelling at coaches on the sidelines. Maybe those things matter. Right, like it's just, yeah, it just matters. It, I don't, I don't want to sound corny, more. but that, but that yeah, does it's, matter. It's, yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those things where, yeah, when you see that happening and the cameras keep flashing to it and and stuff, you go, yeah, I watched the game, I saw that happen. It makes sense why the penalties were called. Then when you have the people, Twitter, social media, whatever, just going fourteen to zero, there's no way that penalties would work that way. Yada yada, whatever. It's like, well, did you happen to watch the game? Because if you watched the game, it'd make a lot of sense. <laughs> also, yeah. more penalties could have been called. Like just, they just couldn't. Yeah, as you said. Yeah. I mean, Trace Ford was getting just held every play. What happens a lot, and what, what I saw happen on Sunday Night Football with the Pittsburgh and Miami playing last night, is that if the quarterback exits the pocket, all of a sudden the guy holding the defensive lineman kind of up a little bit, but also into his body. It's shown because all of a sudden now he's holding him towards his body when the guy's trying to run backwards, not forwards, right? So you can see the holding penalty way right. easier. This happens all the time. This that's that's football, period. That's not a huge deal. Yeah. Trace Ford going ballistic because I got held works out really well because at the end of the game, when Trace Ford gets held and then the penalty flag is thrown. Texas ju- runs up 20 yards because Quinn, or however many yards it was, because Quinn Ewers escapes the pocket, runs for first down. Then Trace Ford goes to the lineman who's holding him, hey, you see that? Because that's exactly what happens. That's how football yeah. like works. The guy escapes the pocket, goes for first down. All of a sudden, the penalty goes, oh, uh, we've been missing probably that the whole game. Right? And, yeah. And it goes both ways. I'm well, not going like- to say it's just one way, but... It's it's bizarre when you, well, it's, it's, you have that narrative. It's the yeah, and it's the old adage of there's a holding on every play. They could call holding on every play if they wanted to, but you know, the game would be thirty hours long. So, like they they're holding on every play, and I'm aware of that. I'm aware how it works. But are they more inclined to call holding on big plays? Yeah, they are. Because if I'm sure refs see holding much more than they're pulling out the flag, you know, and that's the one good thing about college football refs, unlike college basketball refs, where they they literally will call everything. And I'm so happy that college football refs don't call everything. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like you said, I'm sure they're like, yeah, I probably could have called holding on that, but it didn't ultimately impact the outcome of the play. I'm sure there is a lot of that. If I had to take a guess, sure. There's a lot of judgment calls, especially on holding where you're like, okay, is that guy really going to get there? He got the ball out in two seconds. Is he really going to get there? Probably not. Right. They threw a screen. Is he, is he really going to get there? Probably not. When Quinn Ewers is scrambling after standing in the pocket for six seconds, and Trace Patel, that's a hole. <laughs> like, why do you think he has so much time if everyone's covered? 
Yeah, it's because he's probably it's, getting held. And we also, we, we had the best defensive line in the Big 12. I'm not afraid of saying that. Or I'm not cautious in saying it. We had the best defensive line in the Big 12. Argue at a wall. If you want to argue against me, because it's just true. <laughs> and yeah, when you're able the, to... Yell the clouds. Yeah, or do whatever it is. Write it on a chalkboard for all I care. I'm not going to read it. Because we do have the best <laughs> defense in the Big 12 defensive line. Right? We may not have the best secondary. Yeah. In fact, we had one of the best, worst secondaries. Coming in the game, I did not predict Oklahoma State to win the game well. I said I think we'd win by four points. Patrick and I did the preview the entire time. Patrick was like, I think we win this. I'm like, I honestly, I think you guys win this too. But I'm still not going to pick against my school. Right? Everything was going Texas way. I, the podcast title is Homecoming Underdogs. Like, we're, we're underdogs at home when our quarterback's going to play. But the reason why we were, yeah, is because we were six starters out for the game. Now Preston Wilson kind of came back in. I was trying to read through and see it when, when watching the game live. It was real hard to tell, so I'm not sure how many snaps he played if he did play. But like we had six starters announced out before the game started. That it, that would account for, I don't know, maybe a seven point or six and a half, whatever it is, underdog, right at home on homecoming. Mm-hmm. When we don't normally lose those games, as you said, this is the 12th homecoming win in a row. We don't lose homecoming games. Typically, it's not Texas we schedule. It's usually, it's like K-State, KU. Sometimes it's been, or it's been Iowa State, Tech. You know, usually, it's not Texas because we just it's usually not Texas for whatever reason. But it wasn't 2018. It was this year, and it worked out well. Now, we'll see here is that Texas, Texas fans, like if they're mad about the penalties, I brought this up with Patrick uh, yesterday. And I asked him about the game, and I asked him what he thought, and he goes, "Either way, you guys, either way, you guys won. It wasn't either way, you guys won. Like, if 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 none of the penalties been called, either way, you guys still were the the better team and won, right? Like, it's that's just kind of a, a matter of fact here. Now, if none of the penalties have been called, I don't know if we still do win, but maybe we still do because we we just ended up proving to be a better team. We outscored them." You know, we didn't have to, like, hold on mm-hmm. to it like we're trying to hold on to the TCU game. This wasn't, like, some weird, okay, all right, we're up, but now we look injured, and let's hold on 31, you know, points here and see if we can just ride this out. This wasn't that. This was a, let's see what we can do, see how we can make this one work, you know, and then let's just, let's so, just play him up. Let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Why, why did Texas stop running the ball? Because it's not working consistently. Right? I mean, kind of, but it just seems like if Texas keeps running the ball, they might win that game. They they might have because they would have had more control of the clock. But they stopped running the football because, honestly, Beast Robinson started getting hit. We made defensive line adjustments at half. Or we we said yeah. screw it, we're not gonna do this because basically what we we're doing in the first half from watching the game film here is that we were holding guys, we were holding up their offensive line until we saw Robinson get to the hole. We weren't trying to go instead of our defensive line going past the running back as he comes through the hole, and so instead of trying to beat mm-hmm. him to the hole, we were trying to wait for him to get to the hole and then stuff him so he'd only get like a two yard gain, three yard gain, maybe three yard loss sometimes if we can push the row line back. You know, that kind of mentality, yeah. that, that idea. But then, because, and then we switched the idea. We switched it from doing that, where then, you know, Mason Cobb's trying to figure out where he's going through the hole, which hole. Now, all of a sudden, offensive lineman comes up and gets the second line and blocks him. Then he's screwed, and then Robinson's gone. So, instead of doing that, we said, screw it, we're just going to get to him. And that's when it ended up working out a, a, way better, right? I mean, stats prove it, everything backs it up, where we just said, screw we're just going to rush rush them like they're passing every play and we we threw more passes in the game than they did which is crazy to say when they yeah. threw 49 we threw 58 now 57 was spencer sanders throwing 58 one was i think jay nixon throwing a two-yard gain to spencer sanders which not a huge fan of i like the idea it just wasn't executed very well but we we like creative play calling here cj tour we like the creative play yeah calling. just uh it seems to not I happen think, at the right times ever, but I like the creative play calling either way. Well, and the other thing is, like like you said, like <laughs> that one touchdown, the long one that Bijan Robinson scored, 
um, on the on the catch. We're in man coverage and nobody's covering him. Yeah, can't really get away like with that. that. Yeah, like <laughs> I think uh, Dusty was it Dusty? I think Dusty was calling the game. Yeah, Dusty, Dusty Dvorak. Dvorak. Yep, and he he was like. He was, well, so awesome in man coverage, and I'm like, really, really? I don't say someone lost man. him, Dusty. You don't say. And then there was also the big run. I think it was literally on just like a little counter or whatever, and our safeties were like nowhere to be found because they were playing so close to the line. You know, it was stuff like that where they're like, okay, screw this. Like what? We're not doing this anymore. We're not bringing guys up to come and stop the run, you know, which I like. I like that they made that change because I feel like we don't always, well, you know, sometimes with Oklahoma, we don't change at all. Um, You know, sometimes they just like to beat a dead horse. But if that's one thing that I will praise Gundy about, or at least, you know, the defense is – they've been much more willing to adapt to what they're doing. A lot of, you know, clearly halftime coaching. I mean, this game reminded me a little bit of the Notre Dame game, uh, the bowl game last year where it's like, oh, okay. This is, this guy sucks. Like, this isn't happening. And what, he gave up three points in the second half, right? Yeah. In the Notre Dame game. Yeah. yeah, and they're just like, no, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. This guy's not good enough to beat us. No, he's just not. Really and wasn't. I think they kind of said the same thing about Quinn Ewers. And if I were, if I were Bijan Robinson, though, I'd probably be a little frustrated that I didn't get more carries down the stretch. That's that's totally fair, especially when you had control of the game, right? Like when you don't have control right. of the game, but running's working, it's like, well, I wish I could have carried the ball more. It's like, well, I mean, you had 24 carries, you know, it's not, but, but he averaged five and a half or 5.8 yards a carry. Like that's pretty darn good. Now we, on the other hand, that's averaged, a first down every two carries. <laughs> yeah. Now we, on the hand, we averaged, I mean, Jay Nixon averaged eight yards a carry. Sanders averaged 3.9. Dominic Richardson averaged 1.8. But as a team, we averaged, I think Gundy said earlier today, 4.3, which is what I was trying to figure out here, which is the best we've had all season averaging right. yards. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm happy with that. I'll take that every day. 4.3, I mean, you know what? That's a first down every three plays. That, that's, that's winning football. It's a first down. Yeah, that's winning yeah. football. And, you know, it's... But it's like I said... Texas's defense is not that good. No, nope. it's not. And I, I said that even before we played them because I wasn't on that on the preview. And I said that even before we played them. Their defense is not that good. Just because they held Alabama to, if Alabama plays them again, it is a murder. I think so. I I really do. It's weird to say that though because of how close they played beginning. Of the year, but I think so. Maybe Alabama's just not that good. But it's. But I, I think so. Well, I, I also think that's partially true. Um, I mean, I, I think Tennessee's really good, and I am a little biased there because my brothers go there. Um, but they lost to Tennessee what for the first time in fifteen years? Yeah, something great. Think. Yeah. Shout out to the University of Tennessee and needing money so, for their field goals, by the way. Just want to throw that in there. Just shout out for the GoFundMe. That's that's one of those, like, hey, we, we'll just see if we can just get this. I like the ask. Oh, I, I, I forgot to bring this up at the beginning. The best storyline I saw after our game yeah. is uh, Sark having to release a statement because he didn't stay to sing the eyes of Texas. Ah, true. Yeah. He said that'll never happen again. He apologized for his players taking the loss too personally, which is just a classic, like, sorry, we care too much. We couldn't stand to be yeah. out there any longer. Which My bad. My bad. I guess, yeah. Um, but, but, but funny nonetheless. 
it's just one of those. I, I'm, I'm going to give everyone crap this whole entire week just because Oklahoma State won, and I can't. But I, I looked up here. Trace Ford had one sack. That was the only player who had a, a sack for us at least the whole game. And, man, it's just... We scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to win by seven. Like, it's... I mean, you want to talk about a team that, that won. That's that's a team that went out there and yeah. won. I, I, I would say Texas lost it, but, like, they threw the ball 49 times for 319 yards. Their quarterback had two touchdowns. Now, three interceptions, not good, but... Like, yeah, like their 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 playmakers were out there to to do what they could. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. when Ewers had, and the sack by the way was for minus. I think uh, it's gonna be hard to figure out. The sack happened when Ewers at some point for I think for minus a yard. I mean Xavier Worthy really had four receptions for seventy eight yards. Like that's that's bizarre. Why wasn't he targeted more? The Jatavion Sanders, number zero, had six receptions yeah. for. 76 yards. So just went off. It, it, I, it's weird the way that those guys I'm were used because they just weren't catching. I mean, the, the ball wasn't getting to them at the end of the day. Like the ball was sailing over their heads or they were just not pulling it in. I'm surprised they didn't throw it to that thing more. Yeah. Because he's huge. Yeah. Well, and the last thing else I want to say about text before we get to the preview of the uh, K-State game here. So... Every year, you and I do like a, a conference preview of sorts, right? And, and we're not really projecting Texas to be the top of the Big 12 almost any year. This year, it was like, well, Quinn Ewers might be the real deal. I think that's what I was saying before. Wanted to, yeah, of course, admit when I'm wrong because he doesn't look like the real deal against us. And this year, it's like, okay, but still, Texas might go 9 and 3, 8 and 4, somewhere in there. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what they're on par for this year. They lost Alabama. They lost in double. They lost in double or single overtime to Texas Tech. They lost to us. That's three losses. Like I don't know necessarily why anyone from you, like anyone who follows the Big Twelve or follows Texas football is that shocked to see a team go nine and three, eight and four every year when it's like, well, that's now if Texas goes five and seven or if Texas goes six and six, yeah, I'll be pretty surprised. But coming down the stretch here, they play at K State after their bye week. And then they play TCU at home. That'll be tough. Then they go to Kansas and they have Baylor at home. Like, they should no matter what get to seven wins. They should no matter what beat Kansas and Baylor. And then if they beat, and no matter what, it's a tough thing when it's Texas and Kansas. But, you know, Texas K-State will be tougher. They'll probably, I would think they'll lose to TCU, but that's they have that at home. So who knows? I mean, it's just not, it's not a huge shocking to me when it's so, like Oklahoma State won, how did they win, Texas was a better team, yada, yada, when it's like, well, before this even started, even a Texas alum said they'd lose to us, and we're projecting them not to win the Big 12, like, anytime, like, I'm, I didn't project them to win the Big 12, I don't think you did, I don't think Will did, I don't think Pat, Patrick probably did, because he had them at 11-1, but still. Well, and also the other other funny part part is that uh, Vegas now has Texas with the second highest odds to win the Big Twelve. Mm. OSU is still at third. So, Vegas at this point is just taking people's money. They have to be. There's no way that they can actually believe that, especially considering Texas might not even make it. Oh, to the Big 12 champion? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a good chance they'll make it to the Big 12 championship. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll speak on fact, Kansas State a in a sec, really but Kansas... That they don't, really, honestly. Kansas State, probably, if you just are looking at the standings and remaining schedule, Kansas State probably has a better chance. Yeah. Have Texas and K-State played yet? No, they, they play after. So they, they play right after this week. Like, Texas is on a bye week this week. Then they play K-State. Mm, okay. so we, K-State gets a royal treat. They get to play us than Texas. Of course, we're doing the same deal here. Our schedule running up here is, you know, we had, we had Texas, of course. Then we've got K-State. 
Then KU, which looks a lot easier than it did like two, three, four weeks ago when Jalen Daniels was healthy, their quarterback. But is he out for the year now? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I haven't heard he's coming back anytime soon. Um, Adrian Martinez apparently is back, though, this week. Apparently, he, uh, against TCU, he tried to come back in, wasn't feeling great, and then just didn't come back in. But I guess with six days rest, he'll be fine against us, which go figure. It's just still Oklahoma State's luck there. But then we'll play uh, K-State, KU, Iowa State at home, then OU away, which I'm never going to feel good about that, and then West Virginia at home to finish off the season. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, ah, it, did, it's, it's tough. Did you see the, uh, the Gundy quote when they asked him about Taylor Martinez today? No, maybe not. He's... They they asked him if I think something along the lines of is is Mar- Martinez going to play, and Gundy sarcastically said, "Yeah, I called him this morning. He told me he was going to play." <laughs> oh yeah, that's so. I watched the whole, I watched the whole press conference earlier today. I was taking lunch, and that was that was great. Like, yeah, Gundy, Gundy's like, yeah, no, six days rest. I bet he'll play. At this point, I can probably guess what's going to happen. I usually guess right. I think is what he said too. Which go yeah, figure. Yeah, because it's like such a ridiculous question. <laughs> well, and and also, what what uh, I think is really funny about like the Gundy press conferences and what you don't see happen in the NFL. But what I forget when I'm, uh, you know, a former Oklahoma State student, as you as well, it's like there there are literally like kids in in there like 18 19 year olds in there Not, yeah maybe, maybe it's probably like more 21 22 year olds because it's like the senior editors and that type of stuff doing the football right but like everyone's curious like i mean if, if jenny carlson or barry trammell you know the Coleman writers or whoever had asked the same question hey if you do you have any inclination if martinez is going to play or not and we're all curious the first thing gunny opened up last week was if we don't talk about injuries we'll be good it's like, all right, we'll we'll do. But we we want to ask you if your players are going to play, and if you're not going to tell us who your players are going to play, yeah. then like, what are we doing? So that's mm-hmm. tough. I mean, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm, I'm a little. I'm well. I'm really biased whenever it comes to that. But and there's there's just a bunch. There's just a bunch of people in in the room trying to all figure out, trying to get any extra type of thing they can write up and. Anything they can say, which, you know, I mean, that's what we do, too. Like, what, at this point, Jake, we might be in the Oklahoma State media. You know, we got about 100 people <laughs> tuning in every week. Like, it's just, it's it's close, right? Like, we might be in the media. We could have a chance to, to file for one of those uh, press passes. Someone cares what we say. Someone does. And I don't think it's just my family, you know, or just yours. So, it's nice. That's really not my family. I don't have 100 family members I talk to. Well, I... I don't know if I do. Either. I don't. I don't have 100 family members. But that was that was a niche. That was a that was a niche joke for anyone curious. I. Hey, you know what? There's 100 people that we talk to. It's just uh, you know, it's a bunch of it's basically everyone from your wedding. That's basically all all the people we talk to about Oklahoma State football. Yeah, members, not you know. Yeah. Yeah, not not family though. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's all people from your wedding that are all the friends and family. Right. Like that's. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's that's more the point. Um, so, on a scale of one to ten, how are you feeling, K State? Eight and a half, nine. I think. Like, I was so down before this Texas game because of how the TCU game ended. Because Spencer Sanders, after the TCU game, said, "All right, well, we'll see him in Arlington." Like, at no, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about it. I'll see him in Arlington. Like, well, well, hang on a second. Like, that's that's bold. You, got a couple you just steps lost, to go. and you just and you just lost, and you lost kind of in a really weird fashion, where you just let the game completely slip by you. I mean, they they yeah. came. I, I watched this past week. I watched the whole game over because your wedding was during the OSU game, but me, yeah, I no control of the time of the Oklahoma State's game starting when you scheduled your wedding a year ago, but. That was a weird game. The 40-43 to 43 double overtime loss at TCU is one of those where 
in the moment, it's like, crap, dude, we suck. Maybe we're bad because TCU hasn't been real good. But then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second. That's a double overtime loss at their place against them. We were up a lot of the game. Sanders definitely, at some point, looks pretty bad and pretty dinged up. So, wait, are we okay? Like, how do we stand, et cetera? And then after this Texas game, it's, okay, now I feel pretty confident for the rest of the schedule, except for the OU game because it's just at OU and it's Bedlam and it's yada, yada. And every single Sooner fan in the entire world is just going to be giving me crap and you and whoever till the end of time if we don't beat them this year. It's like, you couldn't even beat us on our bad year. It's like, all right, well, you know what? Sorry. I mean, yeah, sorry. <laughs> It's just it's what it is. Don't know what to tell you. Yeah. How do you feel about the game though? Let's go one to ten. Uh, I'm usually a little bit more reluctant, so probably six and a half, seven, just because I never know. I never know what to expect with Kansas State. Yeah. And I think my biggest concern now is they have a running quarterback, um, which they usually do, but this guy's like a really good running quarterback, <laughs> and. This is probably uh, Derek Mason's first actual test with that, right? With an actual mobile quarterback that that is willing to run other than what's-his-face. Duggan. Um, Duggan, but Taylor Martinez is probably a better runner than Duggan because Taylor Martinez is a better – or because Duggan is a better passer than Taylor Martinez, so he just doesn't have to run as much. Um, Wait, is it Adrian or Taylor? But – I've been messing this up the whole time. Is it eight? I don't know. Martinez. There were two Martin. There were two Martinez brothers that went to Nebraska, and I get. Or I don't even know if they're. They might not even be brothers, but I get them confused. I. And I'm not I very confused. Have. I'm looking it up. I. I do. I do agree, except for I guess a couple of things here. Like I, I want to point out and be the optimist here, is that. I mean. Like like against the spread, K State is five and zero in its last five games against the spread. Oklahoma State is four and one straight up in its last five games when playing K State. So it's a like the, the stats here I'm getting are like bizarre, just to be honest. Um, yeah, and maybe this isn't even from this year because it's just Jake Waters, which I don't. Is that their backup? Like police report. What are you doing here? I mean, it's Jake Waters. Senior quarterback Jake Waters has now gone four games without throwing a pick. Like, what? That's not their. That's not the guy. I don't even know who for. that is. This is this is our. I don't know who that is. When you Google Oklahoma State Cowboys versus Kansas State Wildcats betting odds and pick, the first article that pulls up is from October twenty eighth, twenty fourteen. Just letting you know, just in case anyone was curious, it's from twenty fourteen. Shout out to Bleacher Report for having a twenty fourteen article. As what it is, good lord! There's just they've, no way they've got going. their they've got their SEO going, obviously. They they've got that fine tuned up there for sure. <laughs> that that is search engine optimization for all you non media people and for y- the youths. Um, the, yeah, yeah, the youths. Yeah, I was like, who's the heck's Jake Waters here? I'm glad I'll have to. Well, I won't edit this out because it's too funny at this point, but. They just, they just made a cent off your click from eight years ago. That's true. They're real happy about it. And my computer did not load that <laughs> virus for a while either. So we'll see how it survives the rest of this podcast. But <laughs> so Oklahoma State has played K-State, I think, 60, I think it's the 69th or 68th matchup here. This is the second time both teams have been ranked top 25. Kind of crazy, right? Wow. Yeah. And this just... I would also say it's bizarre because, well, we are uh, K State's coming in now a narrow one point five, yeah, one point five favorite. So, which is about set by the you know, but done by the SI Sportsbooks. So if you see it somewhere else, it could be different, surely. But I mean, I feel pretty good because like Texas r- ran the ball and we made adjustments. So even if we're losing at halftime, I still feel like we can still figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, we're probably going to have to spy Martinez, <laughs> I'd have to say. Yeah, um, that's what I'm looking for. Still, which Martinez? Or but, yeah, or bum, bum rush him. And that might just be what we end up doing because it worked really well against Texas. And I don't yeah. think that... One thing I'll say... 
K-State's offensive line is not as good as Texas' offensive line. Not talent-wise, for sure. They may play better together as a group because they may know yeah. each other better, but they're not they're not beating us like on talent. K-State's almost never beaten anyone on talent, though, alone. And I guess that's what's scary at the end of the day, you know? Like, they're... Mm-hmm. They're a pretty darn good team. Um, the 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 funny thing of like all time, so I've really gotten to the Winsipedia part of, I guess, college sports and looking it up. We've won three in a row against K-State. All time, we are 42-26 and 26 against them. That's all, of course, in football. The largest margin yep. of victory was, for us was in 1975, and for them was in 2002. Um Wait, I might be reading that wrong, but still, nonetheless, some people get what I'm saying here. Um, the the, the K State like excitement. They, I don't know if you've have you ever gone to Manhattan, Kansas. It's it's a it's a great place to watch a game, to be honest, because it's also like a college town, just like Stillwater. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that it's yeah, you know, I mean, for all for pretty small, you know, and, and kind of is what it is. Um, What's 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 really interesting though is that like their program has taken off like no other compared to Oklahoma State's. Like it's they they really have leveled up their football program with Bill Snyder and him coming mm-hmm. in. Now it's of course he's no longer their coach, but it's Bill Snyder Stadium, right? Like I mean, their rival apparently is KU, but like I mean K State Athletics has gone way uphill since playing him. They had Josh Freeman who Maybe people have been following Big 12 like for a while and know who that name is because he actually got drafted and was a Tampa Bay Buccaneer for a little bit. But they, their football program has gone way uphill. And with that being said, they, they still, also had Colin Klein. They had Colin Klein, too. Yeah, that's a good. And then they had a starting quarterback in an NFL game this year, actually. It was a seventh-round draft pick. Skylar Thompson for Miami. Whenever Tua, Tagovailoa, and... Uh, um, and the uh, other guy who wears two gloves on both hands uh, on each hand, uh, Teddy Bridgewater went out. So, it's kind of a fun And Lockett went there easy. as well. Lockett went there too. Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Um, was it Sproles? Did Sproles yeah. go there? Yeah, Bridget Sure and Sure. Darren Sproles went. Was there a TCU? Yeah. About Sproles, but definitely a purple Big 12 team for sure. Yeah. Um, I... With all that being said, and with me hyping up their program right like when you look at Wikipedia, every single box that you can have on like all-time record national championships conference championships bowl games wins all time bowl record consistent all americans heisman winners draft picks uh first round weeks in the a people it's all oakland state like it's all it's it's all orange uh there i mean we've been to 32 bowl games to their 23 what's another one that's fun here We've gotten 20 consensus All-Americans. They're 13. But mainly here, we've had 21 NFL first-round draft picks. They've had five. Like, we 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 should beat K-State every year. It shouldn't be mm-hmm. tough. But Adrian Martinez, which I did find, is not a horrible quarterback and definitely has experience playing against us before. So, I mean... At least in like the idea that he used to play for Nebraska and we used to play against Nebraska before he was probably even in college. But still, it's it's a, a fun thing to. It'll be a fun game. Like I'm not, um, not too worried about it because I think talent wise we're better. I think we'll have a chance to get a little yeah. healthier, and also we found a way to win this past weekend, which is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really, really yeah. good when we find a way to win. So, what's your? Uh, What's what's your what's your score prediction here? What'd you say? I'm gonna go 34-21 OSU. Ooh, I like it a lot. Okay, all right. I'm gonna go. Uh, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say 38, uh, 38-28 OSU. And still, still kind of okay. close. That would be the most points that we've... If we scored 38, it would be the most points we scored since 2016 against them. Um, you said 34, is that right? 30, mm-hmm. Yeah, 34 also be the most points we've scored against K-State since... Oh, excuse me, no, we scored 40 in a loss in 2017. So, yeah, so kind of splitting air here going back, but last time we lost to K-State was in 2018, third place. Won the past three since then. 
and the folks. Arkansas. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, K State, you know, K State beat us from 1990 to 2002 straight every year. 1990 to 2002. Like, whenever, and maybe that's part of it, from 84 to 89, we beat K State. And before, then they won one year, and then before then we won. But maybe that's why when people are talking about, like, Gundy, I'm like, oh no, Gundy's got to go or whatever. I'm just like, yeah, but before Gundy came, before Les Miles and Gundy came, nope. we'd lose to K-State for like a decade. Like 12, 12 years in a row. Which, the year I was born was a rough Oklahoma State year. You know, I mean, like, we, well, 92, we scored nothing in K-State beat us 10. Like, it's just, it's just a tough time. So, thank you so much for everyone for listening here to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. Please follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more. And uh, Jake, as always, thanks for joining. We'll catch you guys again soon. Peace.